0: Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe.
1: What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. My name is Bree. I will be your host today, and I'm here with John Paul from Fortis Fitness and Athletics in McKinney, Texas. What's up, JP? How are you today?
2: Hey, how are you? It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Awesome. I am doing well. Thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it. All right. So let's jump right into the details. What is it that made you want to own your own gym? How did you get started? What is the uh, backstory there?
2: Okay. So the impetus behind that was I was a former professional baseball player. And after my career ended, I kind of went through this limbo period of what I wanted to do. You know, being an athlete is your identity since you're, you know, since you're a kid. And after that, it can be tough to transition. You know, I was never the kind of guy that wanted to just get into a, a cubicle job and no offense to those with cubicle jobs. I, I just move too much. I am hyperactive. I, you know, I, I like to explore. I like to move. So I think that my next natural progression was to get into the fitness industry. I had to train while I was an athlete, you know, every year day by day that was important, you know, for the success of that. And so I think that for me, owning a business, but also getting into the field of fitness, you know, was just a natural evolution that, you know, it has worked out great for me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that makes sense, right? It's like, you can't really imagine yourself doing anything else, essentially. And it makes sense with your background. So what does your business model look like? currently within your gym? How do you structure things? Are you doing uh, group classes, semi privates, one-on-ones kind of walk us through the layout there?
2: So what I really focus on is it's a private, I like to call it a private boutique gym. Um, just like you would go to a boutique to get bespoke clothes or, or clothing or one of a kind items. I offer that same thing. So a lot of my clients are one-on-one and I do semi-private, uh, training as well. I would say the majority that consists of gen pop clients and, and a split between athletes, uh, you know, from young to, to professional.
1: Got it. Okay. All right. So uh, kind of a good mix there. And how many athletes and or members are you currently training?
2: So I'm a year old. And so I've just started really in, in this business, the brick and mortar is a year old. So right now I have about, anywhere from 35 to 40 clients that I work with personally. Okay. No other trainers. So that's just me now. No online training. That's one-on-one. So that is like my capacity to give the best service uh, and then kind of give them an edge over other competitors in the area. So yeah, just just me being by myself now, that's, that's what I focus to give them the best possible service I can with just being me.
1: Got it. Okay. And are you looking to add trainers in and grow or are you looking to kind of keep it how it is on the on the smaller side with just you
2: oh no i got big plans but right Mm -hmm. now what i want to do is give the best concentrated effort but yes in the future i plan to hire other trainers competent trainers you know we want to kind of separate ourselves as being the go-to place for competent training for athletics and gem pop clientele without without a question we want we want to be no-brainer so yes i will definitely hire more trainers, um, and bringing other specialties, say physical therapists, um, massage therapists, things of that nature.
1: Got it. Okay. And what is the timeline on that? When are you looking to take that next step?
2: You know, I, the, the cliche is, you know, your five-year plan. Uh, but for me, I like to rush things. So I'm looking to do that in the next couple of years. My, my facility, as I mentioned, is very private, only about 2,000 square feet. We really maximize that space, but eventually I like to expand that, right? And I'm looking to do that in the next two, three years where we're at a 10,000 square foot place where it doesn't seem so overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly big, but just intimate enough to still, you know, have larger populations and groups, but still give them that, that nice touch of, of training and competency.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And what needs to happen before you take that next step?
2: Well, I, I'd like to find a money tree, but you know, I'm not going to find a money tree. So what we focus on is we just give the best possible service we can. Of course, I'm not cheap. Uh, I I know they probably always say that, but you know, I I charge based on experience, my professional background and in my education. So, so, you know, I'd, I'd like to just retain clients and work on retaining clients and, and we do a really good job of that. And, you know, I, when we're busting at the seams and we're literally just turning people away, I think that's when we'll look to to expand and um, and and focus on bigger things. And that's right around the corner for us. So and I say us, but it's me. But as a business entity, it's us.
1: right. Yeah, absolutely. OK, so on the general population side of things, what sure. does your front end offer look like? What are you doing to? get people in the doors
2: for me you know we advertise of course however what really works for me is is word of mouth at the end of the day whether you know fitness professionals and business owners want to admit it we're in the customer service industry Mm -hmm. just like at a restaurant you have to really create customer service experience like no other place You've been to restaurants, I go to restaurants and you get terrible service. And it seems like it's happening more times than not, where you're just like, you know, when you really get a good server or a good, you know, professional, you're like, oh my God, they were so good. That is what we're focused on because I feel like it's a dying art. So mm-hmm. with that, you know, word of mouth, um, you know, my athletes tell other athletes. So we have a funnel with the gen pop side, as you mentioned, um, it's the same thing. Word of mouth, you know, I advertise, you know, on Google, we advertise on, on social media. However, where the, where the, my, our bread and butter is, is, people come in and go, Hey, I heard about you. You had really good, good results with such and such, you know, mm-hmm. I'd like to experience that myself. And at the end of the day, customer service, and then, you know, to, to go one more results, you got to get results. People got to get stronger. They got to leave feeling like, wow, like that was what I came here for. So you have to, you have to kind of hit both heads solidly, mm-hmm. um, to, uh, get that retention.
1: Yeah, 100%, under promise, over deliver, right? One Uh, of my
2: favorite um, credos to live by.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so when somebody comes in on their first day, are they coming in for a consultation? Are they coming in for some type of a trial? What does that first day experience look like for a new client?
2: The first day I like to get people in, I I know everything is done over social, not social media, but digital these days, you know, text, phone calls. I like to get people in to get, so they can get a feel for me and I can get a feel for them. Mm -hmm. I I tell them what they're going to get into because I might not be a fit for them. I have a, I kind of build a culture of, you know, that I want to maintain. So not everyone will be a fit and I won't be a fit for them. So I want to get a feel. I want to let them know what they're going to get into, um, you know, and, and, you know, we can kind of meld. And when that happens, you know, it's, it's a professional, you know, question, discovery, Hey, how's this, you know, find out what they like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, hobbies from there, when when I get the buy-in, you know, if you, you know, when you can close it out, what I like to do is, all right, so glad to have you. Let's, let's do an assessment. So I like to have another session of assessments where Now we're going to take the professionalism to another level. You're going to, you're going to kind of see what they can do. You're going to see how they move. You're going to see, you know, you're going to get a feel for them, um, physiologically and, and, uh, kinematics wise. So when we do that, that kind of really brings it home in terms of uh, assessing them and, and, um, kind of letting them know how they, how you'd like to make a custom program for them. So I think people really appreciate that. Um, Mm -hmm. when you can take the time to assess them, not make them feel like they're failures and, you know, make them feel good about getting into the training process.
1: Right. Okay. And the amount of people walking in your door versus the amount of people that sign up for some type of a membership, what does that look like? Is your conversion rate pretty good with that process?
2: In terms of people just walking through the door, I, I would say the con- once again, where, where I the way my gym is set up, you know, people do walk through the door, actually. I'm in a warehouse and it's not literally, it's not a very viewable street side building. It's kind of in the mm-hmm. back of other warehouses. You know, I kind of went with that, uh, that old school warehouse gym of the DeFranco and the Zach Evanesh uh, uh, mold, but it, it works great. However, where the conversion is, is probably friends of friends, as I told you before, coming at me. Seeing the results, because I post a lot in terms of people's results, what people's exercises and people are like, I want to do that um, because I'm trying to post what I want, the type of clientele I want. And they're like, I want that. I want to, I want to train like that. I want to look like that. I want to be strong like that. And so mm-hmm. I think once again, word of mouth and referrals is the number one, the number one um, uh, business, uh, w- what brings in the business the most for me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Definitely important factors, right? Mm -hmm. But you did say you do some type of paid advertising as well, correct?
0: Sure. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I love referrals. I love word of mouth. The only thing with that is that they're not reliable or trackable, Sure. right? It's like on a monthly basis, we can't rely on the fact that we're going to have seven people coming in the doors from word of mouth or referrals, right? Some months might be high, some months might be low. So I always say it's important to have multiple pulls in the water Mm -hmm. as far as marketing, advertising goes. You know, word Mm -hmm. of mouth, great. Referrals, fantastic. But usually, especially if we're looking to grow, we need something reliable, trackable, sustainable, right? As a business owner, you should be able to feed the business with consistent quality leads on a regular basis at the drop Mm -hmm. of a hat if you need to, you know, so as far as getting to that next level goes, um, is that something that you may be focusing on more as you get into that larger space and therefore need to fill that larger space?
2: Yes, uh, absolutely. I mean, I I think advertising and, and kind of tracking metrics is, is key. I, I, you know, hopefully I didn't make that sound like it was a a non-issue. It's uh, it, it is key. And it is something that I, you know, I like to know, I like metrics, just like with my clients and athletes, I like to know where they're at and where they're ending. So Mm -hmm. yes, definitely as we grow, um, I would like to know, and I will definitely increase the amount of not only advertising, but, you know, SEO work and, and, and tracking and stuff where like, Hey, how are you doing? Where, where are your conversions? Are, Are, you know, people are seeing your, your site and people are seeing your posts, but you know, are they are they engaging? I like to know that stuff. So yes, right. that is definitely something I want to to work on and increase as we come along.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I just wanted to make a point there for the listeners to make sure that, you know, they're not getting the idea to just rely on word of mouth and referrals. That's great. And of course, like we, we want to make sure that the level of service is so high that the people that come in want to tell all their friends. Sure, but sure. there are a lot of gyms out there that rely only on word of mouth and referrals. And then they get to a point where they get stuck. Right. It's like that pool is limited. It's only yeah, so yeah. big. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, it's always surprising people walk into the gym that maybe live within five to seven miles of the mm-hmm. gym and have no idea that you're even there. Very true. Right. It's, yeah. So it's like getting the word out there to that larger pool, especially if you're in a position where you're looking to grow is so important.
2: Yeah. And like I said, uh, let me clarify for the audience, you know, I would be remiss to say that that doesn't work as well. You know, Mm -hmm. for me, because I have a large pool being that I'm in in Dallas, the Dallas area, this is football king. Athletes are everywhere. I lived in California prior and we had a ton of athletes, but Texas Mm -hmm. is just like, you know, with athletic training, it's, it's, it's another world and it's amazing so yeah i've been lucky enough to to just have other athletes be like, hey man you you gotta see and even and and not just the athletes in gem pop hey you gotta check this guy out like mm-hmm. you know he he just he gave me really good quality training um it's a one-on-one semi-private environment and uh so yeah but yet no let's let's focus on you know building it up through the website building up through you know social media building up through uh seo development and other uh other venues and avenues
1: Absolutely. Now, as far as your membership goes, how do your clients and your athletes pay for the services that you're providing? Are they on a monthly membership basis that's reoccurring? Are they um, purchasing packages up front? How do you structure that side of things?
2: We do both. So and it comes down to just being transparent. So I like to do recurring if I can, but I like to let them know that. Um, because it's, I think with both gen pop and and the athletes, you know, you'd like to get them in at least three months, at least, or, or, or in in that range, I I hate to just use a cliche three months. I mean, everyone's different, but you'd like to get them in longer than sooner. Not only because that provides revenue, but it also, it also ensures that they're going to really kind of reap the rewards. Uh, I tell them you can see rewards in a couple of weeks or, you know, results in a couple of weeks, but. If you want to see the the great body of work that you put in, it's gonna take a few months. So yeah, I, I, that's that's first. We have different packages, different budgets that fit different budgets. And then we, when they decide, hey, let's keep this going. Would you like to uh, keep it on a recurring? They say yes, that's fine. If no, they're unsure. Look, just I hit them with you know with great customer service. Maybe they're unsure. They're like I'm not sure what I'm getting into. Let's hit them with great customer service. Let's hit them with competency. And then usually that changes. So the, mm-hmm. retention, um, the retention is there. And then they're like, okay, you know, they know it's getting drafted because some people don't like, you know, to be bombarded with a, with a, a recurring parent they didn't know about.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. From a business standpoint, it's definitely better and easier to have people on reoccurring memberships just so that, you know, you've got a consistent, reliable income base coming in on a monthly basis. Um, but yeah, I mean, also having a mix of some other things as far as packages or different, different forms of memberships, I guess, Mm -hmm. but always keeping it simple is, is the best, right? So simple, simple scales, right? Always having just a, a couple options, but not too many, right? Sometimes people get into, um, trying to accommodate everybody and then they've got 10 different membership options and then people don't sign up but it's because a lot of times they're overwhelmed with the options right and it's like they don't even know which paths to choose so a lot of times they don't choose any um yes but i definitely like the idea of getting people in for a long enough amount of time where they can actually see results right because that's what makes people stick around long term our results
2: yes yeah. And and also, I think the semi group training thing is something I was kind of at first just because I think people think of boot camps, but it's not a boot camp. I think that, and you know, boot camp has its own appeal. I like the semi private because sometimes I'll we'll get three or four athletes in at a time or three or four gen pop up to five. And what that does is you can actually lower the price, but right. increase the hourly. Right. So, so it's a, and you can still give them that, that good, you know, intimate training without there being Mm -hmm. 20 people in there and they're just kind of like okay well let's let's just hit up the burpees and the the you know it's more intimate you you can see a, a, a linear progression in results with a smaller group
1: yes yeah absolutely it's like the best of both worlds right from the side of being the coach or the trainer and then also from the client and athlete side of things because it is still that almost like one-on-one attention, but right. it's a lower price point for them. And then that also allows you to train more people, especially if you're a one-man show, right? Yes. So it's like, it, it allows you to maximize the hour, train more people, uh, and then also increase that hourly rate. So yes. that tends to work out very well.
2: Yeah, and can I add real quick that I think one thing is, th- we come in as trainers with a lot of passion. We wanna use our, you know, our expertise in that realm. Once you own the business, I think, what and it's something I had to learn, and it served me well, is you become the business owner, and sometimes you have to take your passion of training, put that to the side, and become the business person, you know, where you're like, well, I want to accommodate this person, and I want to do this, and I want to do this, but it's like, okay, is this a good business move? Is that a good training move? Maybe. Is this a good business move? No. So it's like, once you can kind of separate those two, I think it, it, you know, that's when things start to blossom.
1: Yes. That's a really good point. One of my favorite things to ask gym owners when they tell me they're always looking to their clients for answers. Right. And you know what they want. And, and of course you want to give them what they want, what they need. Right. To a certain extent, it has to Mm -hmm. make sense for the business. Right. And I always ask them, okay, but how many of those people own a business? or run a business, or own a gym, or have ever owned a gym, or run a gym, right? It's like, there's a fine line there between making sure that you're providing the services that your clients want and need, but then also keeping the business side in mind. Because what the clients want and need, or think they want and think they need, doesn't always make sense from a business standpoint. So there's a fine, fine line there that has to be walked uh especially when you're looking to clients and members for for answers so definitely a good point
2: you're on the money on that one so yes
1: yeah good point there all right so now what are the either challenges or bottlenecks within the business that you're facing if there are any what's kind of top of mind for you what's taking most of your time and attention within the business right now
2: I would say how I want to scale it, uh, how I want to scale the business. I have some ideas, but I think they kind of rotate on a day-to-day basis. One one day it sounds great, or one week it sounds great, and next week it doesn't. You kind of wrestle with how you want to scale the business, um, how you want to keep, you know, retention. Uh, I mean, because one thing is, you you this is a twenty-four hour job. People say you own your business, you know, you're lucky. I was right. like, you know, this this comes home with me all day long, twenty-four <laughs> seven. I'm thinking about it. Yep. Um, you know, I, I think the other thing too is pricing for me is pricing, right? So I am in an, where I'm at is an affluent area. Mm-hmm. However, that doesn't mean people necessarily for, I think for me is trying to prove your value to someone who thinks that like athletes or gem pop should just do P90X and all their problems will be solved. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you provide value? How do you, how do you prove your value when, when you, you know, you show your prices and, and then they're like, well, why don't I just, I can get on YouTube for that. Right. Or I can just, I can go look this up or I can just go get, you know, a tonal or I can do. And, uh, so it's a, it's a good challenge. And what I like about that is people see the price. It can be a sticker shock, especially if you've never done personal training before. I, you know, and I want the, the audience to who, or trainers who've experienced this, people are like, oh, yeah, you know, I want to lose 60 pounds and this and that and in like three months. And then, the, and then you, you ask, well, how much do you, would you pay to do that? And they have no clue. And then you tell them, this is what I charge you know, nicely, of course. They're like, whoa, wait, hold on a second. Like, you want? And so, of course, they're like, well, I can just go get on YouTube. And I'm like, well, you have that option. But I think that proving value and what you do can be a challenge at first, especially for the price point. And, um, I think the other thing is for me is being a one man operation for now, you know, I'm starting to kind of bust at the seams. So hiring other competent trainers, you know, uh, that, um, that share similar ideas, it can be tougher to find than you think. because I think a lot are caught up in the entertainment side of training. Hey, let's just give them battle ropes and we'll do ladder drills and you know, and I want trainers who want to move the needle for with their clients. So that has right. been tough, you know, uh, kind of vetting out competent trainers who and they're out there. I am i don't mean to say every trainer sucks. I, they're out there. It's just it's tougher than you think to just like any place to find good employees. Mm-hmm. It's tough for us to find, you know, a trainer that's that kind of sees in a similar vision and, you know, right. wants to, you know, move up the ladder with it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And as far as the pricing, piece goes you know there's a lot to unpack there but Mm -hmm. the main thing being people who pay pay attention right it's like you said those clients say like oh I could just go on YouTube or oh I could get a tonal or oh I could do this that or the other thing but it's Mm -hmm. like are you going to why haven't you done that
2: yeah can I interject Uh, you know this this brings up to a quick point I have six, probably six of my gen pop clients have bought, have, have uh, purchased Pelotons or they purchased the rowers. The, uh, I think it's called the hydro. This yeah. is, this is, this is interesting. And, and I laugh, you know, and it, those are both great products. Let's be real. They've, they 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 are killing the market. However, they've all bought them. They all thought they were going to solve their issues because they're like, well, I'll pay $3,000 or 2000 for something. I'm going to use it. Guess what? Every single one of them has clothes hanging off of them. Mm-hmm. Three of them are returning them back to the company. I was like, look, I will show you the value I provide. I was like, you can say that. And, but let me show you the value I can provide for you on a, on an intimate level, you know, where those products might not be able to, to get to. So uh, yeah, um, that's my rant there.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like the accountability time. piece. What's that?
2: I said, I love you Peloton Don't You know, don't, don't, <laughs> don't roast me.
1: The accountability piece is huge. You know, it's like when you have somebody that's there waiting for you that knows if you don't show up, Mm. that makes a huge difference. Like the Peloton bike isn't going to call you out on your shit, right? It's just going to sit there and collect your clothes. (laughs) But if you have somebody that's waiting for you Mm. in the gym and you don't show up and they call you out, like sometimes that's what people need. You know, they just need that accountability factor. They need that little push to actually get them moving. And then once you once you get them to get in the gym and they start seeing results, it's like, that's all that it takes, right? It's just that initial little push to actually get them moving. And that's the difference between them having a Peloton and not doing anything with it and them having you waiting for them to come in for their sessions and calling them out if they're not there. Right. I mean, that makes a huge difference, but then also on the, the building the value side of things. It's like, you know, the value that you provide for the clients that you serve, right? It's like, you know, the results that you get them. And when we're talking about sales, sales is just a transference of belief, right? So it's Mm -hmm. like the more convicted that you are, the more belief that you have in what it is that you do, the easier it is to sell whether it be something that's low ticket or high ticket, you know, the price really, you know, what you're doing for people, you're completely changing their lives. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like, that should be something that is higher ticket, right. People should Mm -hmm. pay for that. They should, um, they should pay something a little bit higher. Right. Because if they feel it hit their bank account, chances are, like I said, people who pay pay attention, they feel yeah, it hit yeah. their brain count. They're going to show up. Right. Yeah. It's like how many people have memberships to gyms where they pay $10 a month and they never go. Yes. Right. Those it's gyms, like, those gyms
2: bank on that. Right.
1: Exactly. Right. That's their model. Right. It's for people to pay and never show up. Whereas your model is the opposite. Right. It's like they're going to pay a higher ticket, but the goal is to actually get them to show up to actually get results. Right. And at the end of the day, that's what we want. Um, But there are so many gym owners who get caught up in that, uh, the pricing, you know? And they they wanna compete with these $10 a month gyms. And it becomes like a race to zero, right? It's like we can only go so low before we're at zero. Where if we're going the other way, sky's the limit there, right? We can continue to provide value in different areas and therefore charge more for the services that we provide.
2: Yeah, unless you wanna spend 15 hours a day in the gym and get burnout in a year mm-hmm. charge less. You will soon realize why it's important to charge what you're worth Yes. and charge, you know, and, and don't, don't feel guilty about it. You know, right? be smart about it, but the lower you charge, the more clients you might get. But remember, do you want 15 hours? I have twins at the house and I have a wife. I, I like to spend time with them. So absolutely. Uh, let's, let's, uh, you know, let's, let's bring family into the equation and and not be at the gym all day. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's important. Right. And when you do charge more, it allows you to work with less people, you know, it's like work less hours, have more time to spend with your family, make more money, get your clients better results. It's like, you know, it all kind of works out. It it makes sense, you know, um, whereas like you said, on the opposite end of that, it's like, if you're charging a low rate, you've got to have more people. And then typically, you know, if, if you're really trying to, to pack the gym and you've got groups going on and whatnot, sometimes the level of service drops. Right. And that's not, that's not what we want. So not being afraid to charge what you were, what you're worth is so, so important. Yes. Awesome. All right. So now, um, One thing I always like to ask about is you could provide a piece of advice to somebody who is considering doing their own thing, going their own way, opening their own facility. What would that be? What's one of the most important things that you've learned over your time in ownership?
2: If you want to be an entrepreneur and you're a trainer, I would say number one is buy business books, because once again, we get caught up in the heat of passion as trainers but it, educate yourself, but also educate yourself on the business side. Mm-hmm. I had to learn that lesson on my own, but you know, it's helped. Uh, the other thing to me is focus less on certifications and focus more on just being very knowledgeable in your craft. Mm-hmm. Too many, there's too many trainers out there with 17 certifications. Yes, And let's just be real. At the end of the day, your clients don't care. No, not one okay. client has ever asked me, Hey are you a certified strength and conditioning specialist? Not one. Who are, you, uh, who are you accredited by? No one. So 17 certifications, while that might you know make it look good on paper. are you going to put that on your business card? It's remember, it costs money. you, you can spend much less and buy anatomy books. You can buy you know, old texts from you know depending on what you want to work. in. there's plenty of books out there in education. Get certified first and foremost, I'm not saying don't get certified. Mm-hmm. but focus less on the certifications and focus more on just working on the craft that the, the, ins engines out the foundational principles of how anatomy, physio, um, physiology, um, biomechanics, things that will really establish you as a professional, a professional. Mm-hmm. And really that's kind of what people like to see, you know, whether you're in a commercial gym or your own business owner, people like to see knowledge. How many times do you go places and you're like, you're looking at this person like you're not very competent in what you do be different Mm -hmm. it's not the certifications because no one really cares except you Mm -hmm. and i'm not going to stop you from that but a a trx certification a kettlebell certification uh, all these it just it gets expensive it gets cost prohibitive and at the end of the day you can you can focus more on books that don't cost as much that will give Mm -hmm. you the same bang for your buck
1: right Yeah, hundred percent. I completely agree. I tell people that all the time, you know, people don't care about your certifications. They, they care about results. Can you get them from where they are to where they want to be? Yes. That's what matters. hundred percent. Awesome. All right. So as we start to wrap up here, where can the listeners find you on social media?
2: Okay. So our website is JPSchmidtPerformance.com. So... On my social media handles is uh, J.P. Schmidt Performance. All of them are J.P. Schmidt Performance. However, I own a gym called Fortis Fitness and and Athletics, so no one gets confused. They're like, wait, Fortis is the name of the gym. J.P. Schmidt Performance is how I sell myself as a trainer Mm because I don't think anyone really cares about the gym. They just come (laughs) to the gym. That's just a place to work out, but I think what they care about is me and what I offer as a trainer. So um, once again... J.P. Schmidt Performance on uh, is the website, uh, J.P. Uh, Schmidt Performance on Instagram and uh, Facebook as well.
1: Perfect. All righty. So, J.P. from Fortis Fitness and Athletics in McKinney, Texas. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. It's been great having you on the show.
2: It was a pleasure. I appreciate you having me on.
1: Absolutely. To all the listeners out there, make sure that you subscribe so that you'll be updated on future episodes of the show. In the meantime, keep killing it out there and we will catch you on the flip side. Jim Lords out.
0: Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free, leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview.
3: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is JJ Hernandez, and joining us on the show today is a duo, two special guests, Patrick and Jordan with Unit 4 CrossFit out of the UK. What is going on, folks? How are you guys doing today?
4: Hey, okay. all right? You're okay?
3: There we go. There we go. Yeah, we're excited to have you guys on. And I think we're about ready to dive into the nitty-gritty here of what you have going on with Unit 4 CrossFit Preston. But first, let's take a step back here. I want you guys to give the viewers a little perspective and go into how you guys describe Unit 4 CrossFit Preston in your own words. <sighs>
4: Um so Unit Four CrossFit Preston is, I would like to think a community driven CrossFit affiliate. So um everything that we try to do, we try to put the community and the membership at the heart of it. Um and then from there it's just CrossFit classes um every day, all day.
3: <laughs> there we go. There we go. It's that simple. And uh, let's start with the basics here. Uh, and so just a bare bones question. How many members are you guys serving currently?
4: Yeah, so we have a few different membership like packages that we offer. Total kind of membership base now is around 150. Um, and okay. that's split between... It's sort of rolling direct debit contracts. uh, No contracts, sorry, just rolling direct debits. Some of them are class packs that you can obviously pre-buy. Some of them is regular drop-ins that we have as well. So kind of a mixed bag of different membership options.
3: Gotcha. And so for you guys, especially being not in the UK, I always like to get a perspective from you guys. What's been the best method to get new people through the door and interested?
5: Yeah say like word of mouth really we were we were quite lucky to sort of start off with a decent amount of members and um, and then from there i i would probably say like word of mouth is our best selling point obviously we do other things like when we first opened we did like um do like
4: a we did an opening offer yeah. um and that was as well a bit of a sort of like initial capital injection, you know, back into the business kind of thing. Um, but from then, we've not, we've not really done any paid adverts or anything like that. We sort of like do the social media ourselves. So it's really been, I think like Jay said, kind of like people telling other people, kind of telling other people sort of thing. And we've just tried to kind of build on that sort of like naturally.
3: Yeah. And let it compound, of course. I think word of mouth has always been an asset for businesses and will continue to be regardless of how prominent social media gets here. And, um, you know, being at that 150 mark, right? If you're there currently, let's say leads, traffic, clients, all these things were unlimited, hypothetically, of course. I mean, how much higher could you go?
4: In terms of capacity for our gym.
3: Yeah, exactly.
4: That's a great question. I
3: think...
5: I personally think, like right now, we're probably not at capacity, but I think we're getting close. Um, like it's conversations that, like, like, we've had recently about, you know, will there come a time where we need to sort of go to a bigger facility or open another facility? Um, so I don't think we're quite there yet, but maybe in the like not too near future, that could be could be something. We
3: need to yeah, so yeah. It's, it's, going yeah well. we would, it's a good problem to have right i think when you get to that capacity point it's okay well what's next so uh, that's great guys congratulations there and so you know uh, with that i think a lot of fitness professionals understand this and i know once you get past 100 or so clients it's a lot to manage so how do you guys actually track and understand the metrics of how long someone's been with you if they're looking to cancel the churn rate how do you guys track those metrics
4: yeah, so we use a we use a booking a booking system like I'm sure a lot of gyms use. Uh, we use Team, um, so we obviously ask the members to book the classes. Um, so we know how long you've been a member. We know the classes that you book onto and the times that they book onto, um, which. I think from initially when we first started, we sort of thought retention was like a a, a massive part of it for us. So we use team up to have like a slipping away period, um, which we've set at seven days. So if you've not booked on a class for seven days, you, you, we pop up on our kind of slipping away list. And then we, we reach out, we, you know, give them a call or an email or whatever it might be. Um, and just, just check in really say, is everything all right? Um, Often it's like I'm on holiday, leave me alone, <laughs> um, which is fine. <laughs> but um, but yeah, that just kind of obviously just shows that we're kind of we know what's happening with the gym and try and make sure everybody you know if they've got an issue or there's something that we can help with, we can help them.
3: Yeah, yeah, which is I mean I think that's it's very common, right? I think uh, a lot of gyms inevitably you're going to have a churn rate that just comes because of just regular, regular things, right? Like location change right? Or loss of job, whatever, maybe that's inevitable. You know, you can't keep everybody because if that was the case, we'd all be at capacity with our gyms, right? So, um, but no, it's a great point. It's a great point. I appreciate you sharing that part for the viewers there too. And so last two questions, my two favorite questions, uh, you know, I know you guys kind of alluded to it earlier, uh, especially Jordan, you mentioned you guys are growing and looking to expand here, but what's the bigger picture for you guys long-term? What are you guys really trying to accomplish with the facility?
4: JT, answer. <laughs> um,
5: I think just following on, following on from before, just, yes, reaching a full capacity here. There's, I think there's things like we can improve as coaches. We can become better coaches just to provide a better service, I think, for, for the members and stuff. And then we can improve the facility still, I think. Like, we're still pretty young for... Or a gym only being like two, three years old. I still think we can. There's ways we can improve improve this facility before we think about sort of moving on to like bigger things or whatever. So I think we're pretty close in terms of like capacity with members, but I still think there's a way to go in terms of like the gym reaching its its full actual potential. So yeah, just yeah, improving ourselves, improving the facility a little bit, and. Um, and yeah, just, just keep trying to, trying to
3: grow as, as coaches and, and as a business as well, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think it, it's, almost, it's almost so simple that it's like, why doesn't everybody do that? But I think a lot of people do lose sight of just the growth. They kind of hit that stagnant point where they're kind of just standing still or they're just cycling the same amount of clients, right? The same amount of coming in are going out. And then they kind of just they think they're growing. You might if you're not tracking either, you're not gonna really know where you're at either. So, yeah. at that point, I think uh, you guys are doing the right things and you go and move in the right direction. So, congratulations, guys, again there. And one last question, I'm curious to see if you guys have the same answer here or two different answers. So, this is always good for the duos. You know, um, if you guys can go back in time, right, to when you guys both started the gym, 2019. Sit yourself down with the knowledge you have now and give yourself that one piece of advice you think you really needed to hear when you first started. What would that advice be for you?
4: Mm, Mine would be, um, make sure you have a global pandemic uh, <laughs> plan. <laughs> <laughs> oh
3: my God, that's a good one. I've never heard that one before.
4: <laughs> Just in case, you know. Uh <laughs> i think um i think mine would be to myself and this is probably more of like a personal coaching thing and um, is like the ability to you know take a step back and know that it's a that it's a process for the for the athletes and i think especially when i started coaching i was very like i'm gonna try and fix everything all at once in terms of like movement patterns or or you know but obviously, like it, you know it's its takes time to you know get get there sort of thing. Um, so for me, I think now I, I, as I've coached more and more, I feel more like you know if you can make a small change regularly that's that's better than trying to make you know huge changes in you sort of you know in a short space of time um, so that'd be like a, a more like a personal coaching point. I'd probably give myself
3: back then, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. What about you, Jordan?
4: Um,
5: I think for me, it's just, like, probably just say, it's okay to, to not know everything, and to make mistakes, and, and things like that, because, like, I've never done anything like this before, I've never owned a business, or, or anything like that, so, I think it's just, understand that it's okay, that you're going to make mistakes, and, you, know, you don't need to know everything at the beginning. And um, If we were to ever relocate or do something different or whatever, we'd be in like a, a better position from the things that we've learned from doing it the first time. Um, I sort of think like when we started, or even now I still like, I feel like I put myself under pressure and expect things to be like perfect all the time, but it's it's never going to be like that. Um, you know, say things will go wrong and you just got to learn from that and
4: just keep trying to move forward i think i think that's like ho- hopefully why we were are a good team because like we we have the space to make mistakes like it's it's absolutely fine like we we sort of uh, sometimes we talk about like it's only a mistake if you if you do it again do you know what i mean so like it's it's not a mistake it's just a learning experience and we both kind of really support each other on that i think
3: yeah that's a great response there. a great a mic drop of an answer there folks I'll tell you that like it's a good place to wrap things up in this episode but before we sign out I mean please if you guys have any social media website Facebook anything you have please let the people know where can they find out more about you guys and the gym
4: uh, so our Instagram is unit4cfp which is obviously CrossFit Preston um, and then yeah we have the website is the same.co.uk. Um and but yeah it's been really nice chatting to you thanks for the opportunity yeah
3: same here same here we appreciate you guys being on so we appreciate the time and contribution to the podcast and i look forward to seeing what you guys can accomplish down the road if you guys don't mind sticking around for two more seconds here I just want to let you know how you can get the podcast i'd appreciate it i'm just going to sign everybody else out of here okay awesome and to everybody else who tuned in today we appreciate you as well don't forget if you want to be notified about future episodes hit the like and subscribe button. And if you want to come and join us and talk about your fitness business, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you very, very soon. And as always, till next time, Jim lords out.
0: Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors.
6: What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Brooke. Joining me on the show is Sav from Muscle Works Gym in Bethnal Green, UK. Welcome to the show. How are you today?
7: I'm very well, thank you. Uh, I hope everybody else who's listening is is uh, ready to learn things that hopefully we can help.
6: Yeah, I'm super excited to have you here and to really learn more about what you have going on. Within your fitness business, before we dive into that, give us a brief, you know, backstory here, Sab. What was it that led to you opening up this facility?
7: Um, okay, basically I came from Cyprus originally, the Greek island of Incherenia when I was 14 years old. During the war, I was growing as a kid, I remember watching the movies with Steve Reeves, the Hercules movies uh in the 60s early well there it was early 70s late 60s um and that wanted me to start training and develop my physique and build a nice strong body and when i was 25 years old i opened my first gym in london um that led to expanding the business moving to bigger premises and that's where we are now i was involved in bodybuilding for a few years for maybe 20 years um, I retired in 97 from competitive bodybuilding, um, 62 years old, and I started training when I was 20.
6: Okay. So props to you for really making this happen and rising up and never giving up because, um, you know, that's a really inspirational story and you've been doing this for a little while now. So yes. give us your elevator pitch of Muscle Works Gym. Kind of tell us who you are, what services you provide in your facility, so that we can really understand the business model as we move forward in this conversation?
7: Um, our business model is basically catering for people that are into serious training. Um, we have a lot of equipment. We have 12,000 square feet here now. Um, we provide um, not just equipment that I like, but equipment that I know other people would like. Um, I choose and pick equipment that I know uh, people will, will help people, I understand by mechanics, so I, I, can, I know which machines work better than others, you know, no matter on the looks or name, um, and I try to create a, an atmosphere that, sorry, it's, it's not too, uh, how can I put it? It is fitness related, but it's mainly for people that want to train, want to develop their bodies, want to compete, maybe in bodybuilding or fitness uh, industry or any other sport. And uh, my knowledge over the years um, helps create a better atmosphere and a better advice when people are in trouble regarding their preparation, regarding their training. Um I don't follow, people call it old school, but in reality, I don't follow old school type bodybuilding as much because a lot of it is not efficient enough. So I tried to move on and create a a, a sort of modern age training using more science.
6: Okay, got it. I definitely understand that. And so within this model, I mean, most of your business is probably coming from memberships, right? People pay a membership to the gym. Is that where most of the revenue is coming from in the business?
7: Yes, but also because a lot of people want to come and train here. Uh, Usually weekends, we have a lot more people coming from outside London, from areas that people can't travel every day just to come and train here. So because of that reason, I have the uh, one-day sort of uh, payment very cheap to allow those people to come without taking advantage of that. And that, you know, helps the business. I mean, we get that every day. I probably get every day about 60 to 70 non-members that come for a visit because they're managing to come that day or whatever. But, you know, weekends we get over 200 non-members visits from so it's crazy
6: i mean i mean that helps
7: because we're open 24 7 here as well
6: yeah, yeah no for so sure that
7: Helps a lot.
6: yeah i mean drop-ins are cool because that's just like extra revenue that we're getting into the business yeah. um i'm located right outside of disney world here in florida like oh, yeah, five good. minutes away so you know those cross bidders who are crazy about CrossFit, they're going to come drop into the gym. And that's just extra revenue that we get to throw in to our monthly. And on an average day, we're getting a pretty big handful of drop-ins, um, depending on the time of the year. Uh, so um, over the summer, we had a lot of visitors over from the UK um, here at the CrossFit gym, which was really cool. Um, okay, Sab. so is personal training an element that you guys offer in this in this business? Like No, you-
7: what, I, what I do is I have it as an independent. So basically, all personal trainers are on our website. We help them find clients, but they pay us a separate fee. So we don't find the clients for them. They find the clients themselves, and they pay us a, a, a monthly or a weekly fee. It depends. I'm very lenient. Uh, if somebody's starting fresh, then I give them a pay per time every time they have a personal trainer until they build up and I can have it pay weekly or monthly. I'm the boss so I dictate what happens and I because I've been there and I know how it is when you're starting out in any you know in anything in life uh, I try and help people so I don't take advantage of of them I try and help them yep. and that helps my business because they bring more other people Sorry. from other dreams and it, you know it, it does help.
6: Yeah, no, for sure. I think like in this business model, it's great to offer personal training because I think for the business, it's good, right? We're going to bring in a little bit more revenue from that than we would a normal monthly membership. So from a business standpoint, it's good. But then when we look at our clients, if we're offering personal training, we're able to help them reach their goals more specifically. So maybe said person is getting ready for this bodybuilding show. They're very new to bodybuilding. They need a trainer to help them get there. You have that offered, and so when our clients are reaching their goals, they tend to stick around a little bit longer, and then we have awesome retention. The more value we're providing to our clients.
1: Um, so the only
7: thing I want to say on that is the fact that there's a lot of online training nowadays. Okay, and people take advantage of people on online, and I, I've, I'm very upset in the way when I see what they've been told to do or what they're doing that without looking at them in real life without spending time with them they send them a generic workout generic diets and that upsets me because they're taking advantage of people they need help and they're really they're just doing it for the money and that is a disturbing thing that's happening in our industry
6: yeah no i mean the past few years have changed things a lot um and uh I feel like, you know, online training is more and more prominent every single day. There's a new trainer popping up. And so we have to look at our brick and mortar space. Well, how do we stand out? How do we show that this is more valuable than going with the Joe Schmo that's doing the online training down the road for a a fraction of the the price, right? Um, So you've mentioned there that you help your trainers find clients, so how does that work? Like, are people inquiring for personal training, or do you advertise it? I mean, some,
7: you know, for example, uh, somebody would say would come to me and said, oh, I want, uh, I want to get bigger. I want to get bigger muscles. I want to get leaner. Who do you think will be better for me?" Okay. So, I know the personal trainers and I know what they're best at and what they're good at. So I help in that respect. But you know, I don't. I, I try and help all the personal trainers. Uh, equally so if somebody comes and says i'm competing in in 12 weeks time i want somebody to help me with my diet my training my posing then it's other people that i know are better suited for that so i will suggest those names that's how it works um
6: okay i got it Um, So next question that I have for you here is let's kind of look at the space a little bit. You know, how big is the facility like that you guys have? Like how many square feet is it?
7: Okay, it's 12,000 square feet the total. Um, Two and a half thousand square feet is uh, the boxing and the cardio and a bit of and functional training. The other two and a half thousand square feet is just legs. only and the remainder is the reception area and the basically upper body okay so, so
6: within that facility how many members do you guys house? like how many members do you have right now
7: uh two just over two okay. uh, thousand okay as i said we do get a lot of drop ins yeah on a daily basis
6: Yeah, so you have quite
7: a few members there. Kind of walk me through. I I try and keep the price of the drop-ins quite low, because Uh what happens is a lot of people come either with their friends from other gyms um, to try the gym and see the gym because they've been recommended to come. Yep. That that helps them. If I charge, you know, a lot of gyms charge a bit too much for drop-ins. I try to keep it lower for that reason to make it more convenient for people. And what I find, people that can come in, ninety-five percent of the people that come as a drop-in to see the gym, if they're going to like it or not, they join on the day. Okay. You know, so that, that So, helps.
6: where, like, what? Walk me through the growth process a little bit. Like, where are people hearing about you? Like, how are you attaining new clients?
7: Um, I don't advertise at all in any normal advertising way that we know of. Everything is done on Instagram and other people's Instagrams. You know, I, 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 we have our own Instagram. I do a little bit of personal stuff that I advise people about training, answering questions. But it's word of mouth, basically. And it's like, I'll give you an example last night, okay? I had two students that were uh, members before the holiday period. holiday period, they went back. They are university around the corner. Last night, two of them, they brought five other people that are at university that knew they wanted to go to a good gym, so they brought them. And all those five people joined up on the spot. As soon as they looked at the facilities and the prices, they joined up. So I would say, you know, 90% of our business is word of mouth. People know about the gym because we've been established for so many years. They know my name, they know who I am, they know you know past champions are trained here so it, it's easy for us as long as we keep our standard and our price is good it
5: helps
6: yeah word of mouth is good in this industry right because it's free so if we can have an awesome service naturally our clients are going to talk and um, the word is going to spread and we're going to consistently grow when we look at Predicting that growth, that's where it gets a little bit tricky because we don't know you know, the rate at which people are talk about us. But it sounds like you've been able to grow pretty consistently since you've been in business um, because you're just pretty affluent, affluent in that area and in the bodybuilding world. Um, I mean, if you have 70 to 80 people that are dropping into your gym on a given day, people definitely know who you are. Um, you mentioned- uh, I mean, it took me
7: years to establish that, you know, years of hard right. work, giving my time, giving advice for nothing, uh, helping people without charge, that in the long run, you know, you, you, and respect, you can't buy it with money, you, you, you earn it through your work and your, through your actions, you know, and that's yeah. what.
6: Definitely. I um, mean, we
7: get five and a half thousand visits a week. Mm. Okay. And that. Because of our secondary sales, it helps us to keep our prices low. Mm-hmm. Because right. people come here, they, 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 they don't, you know, I know how it is when you don't have money to be able to train or you wanna train, you can't afford it. So I use my experience when I started to see how other people look at it, mm-hmm. you know, through, through their eyes. And that helps to understand.
6: Definitely. Never be,
7: never be greedy.
6: Yeah. (laughs) Um, You mentioned something there that I do think is important to discuss. And that's the idea, you know, you have a presence on social media. And I've checked out your social media before we hopped on the podcast, just so I could get a good understanding, a good vibe for your business model. You have some awesome social media, some great videos on there, some great photos of your clients getting after it. And and like, if I click on that social media on your Instagram, I definitely get a good feel for what it would be like if I walked in the front doors of your gym, right? So how beneficial has that been for you guys over the past few years? Do you find that a lot of people are hearing about you through Instagram or Facebook or whatever other channels that you use?
7: Yes. I I mean, to be truthful with you, we don't spend enough time or money or anything like that costs to create that. It just happens uh, you know, organically. We don't, we, I know we could have done a lot more and we could be doing a lot more on Instagram, which we're not, but we, we will be doing because uh, I think it's time that we, and the truth is um, the building next door has come available, which is another 7,000 square feet, which I'm negotiating now to get it so we can expand the business yeah because sometimes certain times during the day the gym becomes a bit too busy mm-hmm. and i don't want to be losing customers because we're too busy right you knowing that that is hopefully will happen in a very very near future
6: yeah. <laughs> you will in a new space, have a little bit more room so you can fill it with more clients more equipment um definitely yeah better. i want to make
7: the gym even better than it is i want to create you know, maybe add a few more pieces of equipment that I think we should have, create a bit more for the boxing area, create a bit more cardio, you know, it, it is. And I think maybe it's my obsession um, yeah. with, with the whole thing because uh, the truth is, even if I go on holiday for five, four, five, six days, which is the maximum holiday I ever take, I feel uncomfortable that I'm not here, keeping an eye on things. And people say to me, why why don't you have more rest? It won't be rest because if I'm sitting at home thinking about things in the gym, or, you know, is all the dumbest back on the rack, is all the weights on the floor, is, you know, are the cleaners clean probably the toilets, the changing rooms, you know, I care about that. And if I have to do it, I do everything my staff does. Every single job, every single thing that happens, I can do it and they see me doing it. And at my age, they're all half my age. So that helps them thinking, oh, if the boss is doing it, I've got to do it as well. I can't let the boss do it, it don't look good. And that helps. And, you know, being hands-on, it does help a lot more
4: to yeah, progress no. the business. Yeah, And this yeah. is
7: a lot of people don't do. I know other people have opened gyms because they love to have a gym, they want to do this, but they don't spend as much time in the gym as they should be doing. looking after their business and then they're wondering why the business is not doing great yep and you know that's
6: yeah just being super involved in the day-to-day and um understanding kind of um you know what's actually going on in your business if you're not in the day-to-day you don't know what the needs of the business are and I do think that there's a good balance, right? Um, we can get our business running to the point where we don't have to spend a ton of time in the day-to-day, but it's so important to have, you know, some, some, um, you know, experience like seeing what your clients want, seeing how things in the gym feel. Um, it's all very important. Now, I want to ask you, you know, a, an interesting question here, Sav. What's kind of the biggest challenge been for you? You know, when you look at the business, um, what's been that one thing that has posed quite a challenge?
7: Um, I suppose it would be the overheads of the business uh, depends on which area you are. For example, if this business was a little bit outside London or in a different city in England, or UK, the overheads would have been half of what they are here. So that's a thing that you have to be careful. And then you have the VAT, the, the, the which is um, the tax that the government puts on everything. Um, it's called value-added tax. Basically, it's a, I don't know what you have in America, what you call it, but that is a problem. It's 20%, so whatever we earn, we pay 20%. Whatever we get, so a customer pays you his membership, they think that money is yours. But it's not 20% of that money will go back to the government as a tax. And that's before you pay your other taxes, you know, corporation taxes and all the other taxes. And people don't understand that. No, that's the thing. So they're thinking they're giving you £29 a month for a membership. They're thinking that £29 is yours. No, it's £29 minus 20%, which is not yours.
6: (laughs) Yeah, no. It, you know, I mean, you know,
7: I mean, maybe because they didn't get into the habit of what they should have been doing in the beginning when the memberships came out, they should have said, oh, it's 25 pounds, membership plus tax. Yep. Then people would have known that that is not. Tricky. That's one challenge that I wish we could change now, but nobody wants is willing to do it. If all the companies, all the gyms did it, it will help a lot.
6: Yeah, no, it is a challenge no matter where you are in this world, like overheads in this business are not inexpensive. It is very expensive to have a gym and all the taxes and everything that kind of go into it, um, it's a lot to cover. And so then it's equipment
7: that you have to keep replacing or you you have to keep repairing or you know that yeah. People unless you're 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 in it, you don't really realize. And this is what people come to me and said, I want to open up a gym. I want to do this. I want to do that. I tried to explain all these things to them, but it doesn't, it's not how it seems. It's a little bit more complicated than that.
6: Right. Um, you know, my next question for you is like, what does the future look like, Sav? You know, you have these two facilities, but you know, what's next for you? What's the next big thing that you're working on?
7: Well, as I said, the, the next big thing will be expand the business here as uh-huh. we, we are here. I mean, I have other businesses which um, I, because I didn't have the time to get involved with, I rented it out. I've got a hotel that I built, but because of it, like I said, I didn't have enough time to do it. Too many headaches, too much problems. Then I decided to rent it out, which is much easier for me, much better for me. But for the gym business, is to expand this gym and make it, the best gym in the country you know people are telling me he's the best but it, you know size wise is how the gyms are bigger they might have a little bit more space a bit more equipment but when people say the best gym it doesn't just mean us in the, the equipment and the space it means the whole thing i want to make it better i want to you know I'm, hopefully i'll never retire but they'll there will be a time that I will have to retire
5: yeah <laughs> I, definitely uh,
7: I mean I'm getting time. offers to sell the business but I can't do it it's no it's it's gonna you know I'm not ready for it so
6: it's not what you want I mean, no. like you're, you're spending a lot of time in the day-to-day of the business right now so I feel like you're in a pretty good position to keep doing that um and continuously expand it sounds like that's what you want is just to be able to continue to offer more and more for your members and create this awesome experience for people to come in and get after their health and fitness goals um what is the instagram page where can our listeners go to find out more about what you have to offer maybe if they're visiting your area and want to drop in they can check it out online
7: yes Sabbath muscle exchange Sab underscore
6: muscle I think That's my. That's my <laughs> um, Sab, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Um, for sharing your insight on the industry. And um, listeners, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget if you want to stay notified about future episodes, go ahead and hit like and subscribe. If you want to join us for an episode here at the Gym Lords podcast, follow the link in the description. We will be in touch with you soon. As always, until next time, Gym Lords
0: out.